Hello there, I'm Benny. And I'm Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. This is the podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you about it. Hi, Benny. Hey, Kyle. How are... What have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing all right. You and I have just finished a session of Dungeons & Dragons. Our uh, Our fans may have picked up a few... Very subtle allusions to Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> in that last episode. I don't know if you caught that. Indeed. But yeah, as some of our listeners might know, I am the DM of a game that you're involved in. Uh-huh. And I think the session that we played today was pretty monumental. <laughs> it was a good one, yeah. So our the campaign that we're doing is actually... Based on, are we allowed to do shout-outs to other podcasts? <laughs> it's based on the Adventure Zone. Someone created a D&D campaign based on the Adventure Zone. This is Kyle from the future breaking in just for a moment to give credit where credit is due. That campaign was written by Diego Gonzalez, and I found it on Reddit. And now we are, we have our own characters and... Kyle's running it for us. I think Kyle's the only one who's listened to the entire Adventure Zone, which is probably the way to do it. Yeah, I think it probably wouldn't be as much fun to play it if you already know the story. No, especially since this last, um, these last couple games actually have had a couple of puzzle and mystery elements to right. it. For the Adventure Zone fans, we just did the um, Time Bubble Town of Refuge episode um, campaign thing. So, yeah. It's a good time. Kyle is an excellent dungeon master. You know, I listened to the Adventure Zone a couple of times through, I think, and it's been interesting to see kind of how how the story has been has been the same or at other times been different. How we've mangled based it. Based on having, you know, three different characters. Benny and the other two players are not playing Magnus and Merle and Taco. Yes. They are playing their own OCs. Yeah. that were developed for this game. Yeah. So I've had to change like some of the backstory and and whatnot. Kyle has been very generous in letting me play a rather unpredictable character, shall we say. <laughs> um, I'm playing a goblin ranger named Stick, whom I love. One Stick favorite, is the best. One of my favorite RPG characters I've ever come up with. But uh, we're not here to talk about Dungeons & Dragons. No, our podcast is about Doctor Who. Indeed. So we're actually wrapping up. Not only did we just wrap up uh, an arc in our Dungeons and Dragons game, but we're about to wrap up a serial in in Doctor Who, I think. I think this is the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Do we say that? Should we tell the listeners? (laughs) I don't know. We'll see if we leave this in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get down to business. Yes. watched a Doctor Who recently. Yes. <laughs> it was called The Fire Maker. Nice. The title that we that we saw at the end of our previous episode, Forest to Fear. I did, in fact, watch the next episode that immediately follows it as the next episode I watched. Good, because then we have something to talk about. <laughs> as usual, 
we start the episode with the last few seconds of the previous episode, which, if you recall, was Ian and Barbara and Susan and the Doctor seeing the TARDIS kind of across the sand dunes away from them, but then they see all these cave people in between them and the TARDIS, and we see her's father, Horg, who says, They're coming! And then the Firemaker title appears on the screen. This episode is still written by Anthony Coburn. He's done this whole serial so far. Cool. And as soon as we get into the episode, Cal tries to tell all the other cave people back at the cave that Zaw killed the old woman. Cal says, The old woman does not speak. She does not say she did this or did that. The old woman is dead. Zaw! Kill the old woman. No! And he shows them Zaw's knife. Presumably, you know, what he's trying to convince them was the murder weapon. He shows them Zaw's knife, but the doctor points out that there's no blood on it. Hmm. And... And also her skull was split open with an axe. <laughs> Cal ponders this for a moment, and then he says, It is a bad knife. It does not show the things it does. Bad knife. Bad. And then he further goes on to say, trying out his new naming and pronoun technology, he says, I cow says it's a bad knife. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> da dun. So this is quite the development. Way back in the time before logic and proof, Cal says it's a bad knife, it doesn't show the things it did, then, like, who are we to disagree? Like, maybe maybe it did, it did kill her. But then the doctor points out that Cal's knife actually does have blood on it. I was wrong, it's a knife, not an axe. <laughs> and the doctor actually gets Cal to admit that he killed the old woman. Oh, nice. Because she had set the prisoners free. Mm-hmm. The doctor... And turns to all the other cave people, and he says, Is this your strong leader? One who kills your old women? He is a bad leader. We'll kill you all. So the doctor and Ian, at the doctor's prompting, actually start leading the cave people in throwing stones at Cal hmm. and driving him out and away from the tribe. I mean, it seems... Like, that was a bit of a stretch saying that Cal was going to kill them all. I'm pretty sure that wasn't Cal's plan. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. It's not entirely clear why the Doctor wants to get rid of Cal. Like, I can understand why, like, Zaw and her might want to drive him out, but I'm not sure why the Doctor is driving him out. Mm -hmm. As we remember from the previous episode... Cal is not actually from this tribe. His former tribe all froze to death, and and Zaz's tribe here took him in and allowed him to stay with him. But guess that's done now. Cal is being driven out away from the rest of the tribe, and as this is happening, or after this happens, Ian turns to Zaw, and he tells him, Remember, Cal is not stronger than the whole tribe. So at this point, Zaw has taken our heroes 
the prisoners back to the Cave of Skulls, and he has given orders to the rest of the cave people tribe that our heroes are to be killed if they are seen exiting the cave. Outside the cave, now that our heroes are secure, Zah starts asking her for the story of what happened with the beast in the forest. And and she tells him the story. She tells him about how he was attacked by the beast and our protagonists and heroes helped them out. She's still just completely flabbergasted that he did not kill. This seems to be something they keep coming back to. They, yeah. They're just expecting to be murdered all the time. Yeah, I have to say, like... I feel like people's motivations are a little hard to follow in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's hard to say how much of that is just that they're in such a different society than we are. How much of that is because they don't have language technologies that we have. Or how much of that is it just uh, Anthony Coburn maybe not doing his best writing work. I don't know. <laughs> there is an interesting moment in this discussion between Zaw and her where her says He told me his name. And Zaw says Name as if he you know takes him a minute to think of what a name is and and her says His name is Friend. Okay. So yeah that was I guess kind of further proof that naming technology is pretty new and I guess friendship technology just doesn't even <laughs> exist yet. Uh, I mean, we can see that friendship technology doesn't exist by how much they're focused on not being killed. Yeah. But yeah, I guess previously when Ian told her, like, we're friends, I'm your friend, she thought he was saying his name, my name is friend. Or that's how she interpreted it. I feel like everyone is just confusing everyone in this serial. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll... Kind of looking forward to to moving on from this into... Yeah. Some story where they actually have name and pronoun technology down pat. Might be a bit easier to follow. They go on to discuss the comment that Ian had made to Zaw earlier. Cal is not stronger than the whole tribe. Her doesn't seem to understand this comment at first. She doesn't quite grasp what it means, but Zah explains to her how the whole tribe working together can do things that one person can't do on their own. It's teamwork technology. Right, a new technology. So Zah figures that he's got to figure out how to make fire, or else he's going to get driven out into the forest just like Cal was. Uh-huh. This is kind of coming back to bite them in the ass now. Yeah. So he decides to go speak to our heroes in the cave. Before we talk about that, though, I want to mention another new technology that they are kind of in the process of discovering. Cool. Which is the technology of remembering things. <laughs> uh, a few moments ago, when Zah mentioned that friend had spoken to him her asked do you remember it and they you know they talk about what ian said and then after this discussion za looks at her and he says i must hear more things to remember 
the leader would have things to remember. Okay, I, I mean, I feel like they're trying so hard to like create this idea that the cave people see the world differently than we do, and they don't have some of the concepts that we do. But it seems like memory, like <laughs> animals, you know, cats, dogs, animals remember things that happen. Like you teach yeah. them a trick, and they'll remember, or if, like <laughs> you're nice to them, and they'll come up to you the next day, or the next uh-huh. time you visit your friend who has a cute dog and they'll be like oh is that prep yeah so i don't know and i was like why do they have a word for remember for the concept of remember if they're only just now figuring out what this whole like memory remembering thing is right like her seems so surprised that za actually remembered something do you remember it and then but if you can't remember whether or not you ever remembered something in the past (laughs) then maybe you always remembered, but you just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, please don't send us emails about the logic of this argument. <laughs> so back in the cave, Ian is starting to actually try to make fire. He's doing the whole bow and stick and actually doing it properly. Yeah. Unlike Cal a few episodes ago, who's just rubbing his bone. <laughs> Uh, yes. And as Ian works on the fire, we see Za enter the cave through the back entrance mm-hmm. that they had been smuggled out before. And he tells the guard there at the back entrance to wait. But what Za doesn't see is that Cal is hiding nearby and watches this happen. So I feel like earlier we didn't really have necessarily good guys and bad guys, or at least it wasn't clear among the cave people right. whom we were supposed to be rooting for. But now it seems like Cal just kind of is the bad guy. Yeah, I think that is that seems to be how things are shaping up. Uh, we've got, you know, Zaw as the person who's been in this tribe his whole life, and he's the son of the former leader, He's desperately trying to learn how to make fire so he can become the new leader. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we have Cal, who is kidnapping old men, killing old women, mm-hmm. getting expelled from tribes. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think that has kind of stacked up this way by now. Gotcha. So Za enters the cave, and sees what Ian is doing, sees that Ian is making fire, and he says to Ian, you were called friend? And Ian's like, uh, yeah. Hmm. And Za says, her said you were called friend. Which kind of made me wonder if Ian is thinking that they haven't quite figured out pronouns yet. Since he said her said you were called friend, mm-hmm. and like grammatically it would be she said, but you know I don't know if Ian actually knows that her name is her. I think he's also just trying to figure out this whole. Okay, now are you saying I am your friend or that my name is friend? <laughs> like we got to improve our grammar technology here. Yeah, but they they move on from this, and Za asks Ian if. 
he's the leader of their group. And Ian actually says no, and he motions to the doctor and says he's our leader. And Zah offers to take them back to the foot of the mountains if they show him how to make fire. And the doctor's like, we are making fire! And Zah says that, that he's watching. Uh-huh. And Ian actually has an interesting point that he makes at this point. Ian, after Zah says that he's watching them make fire, Ian says, The whole tribe should be watching. Everyone should know how to make fire. Oh, man. And he Zah... Is a socialist. Indeed. Zah is confused and shocked by this, and he says, Everyone cannot be leader. And Ian says, No, that's perfectly true. But in our tribe, the firemaker is the least important man. This just blows Zah away. He says, no, I do not believe this. And the doctor clarifies, He is the least important because we can all make fire. So everyone's the least important, because everyone is the most important? <laughs> I'm not sure what he's referring to when he says that the fire maker is the least important. Like, is that a certain job that he's thinking of? I think, I think basically, yeah. I think in, in Zaw's worldview, the fire maker is the most important, because they're the one who can provide heat and warmth and whatnot to the tribe. But... What Ian and the doctor are pointing out is that if this knowledge is shared, if everyone knows how to make fire, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden who the fire maker is is not a big deal anymore. Mm. They can all, you know, they can all make fire for themselves and that can help, you know, help the tribe out as a whole, basically. There is a, a little funny aside after the doctor says that we can all make fire. Susan kind of turns to Barbara and says, Hope he doesn't make grandfather prove that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fire starts. Oh my gosh. Ian is successful. Horg, meanwhile, the father of her, thinks that Zah is no leader because he's taking too long. But her basically tells Horg, Fuck off, Zaw would kill you if he could hear. Oh my god. He's learning how to make fire right now. Oh yes. Just give him a minute. Meanwhile, Cal actually kills the guard of the back entrance to the cave. Dang it, Cal. And he gets into the cave and he starts fighting Zaw. Whoa, alright, here we go. Get an actual fight scene. This goes on for a little while. And everyone else, all of our heroes, they just kind of watch this fight. Is it, like, super thrilling and awesome, or uh, not so much? There's a lot of, like, wrestling. Uh, I think there was some biting. <laughs> there's some axe and club swinging. Uh, lots of old skulls get broken. There's lots and lots and lots of grunting and groaning. But our our protagonists just kind of sit back and watch Cal and Zah fight until eventually Zah overpowers Cal and he smashes Cal's head in with a giant stone. Oh! We, the, we the viewers, of course, don't actually get to see this. What we get to see, yet again, is reaction shots. <laughs> we get to see Barbara look away in horror 
And then we also see the doctor who just kind of watches and grimaces. The doctor's jaded at this point. He's seen all sorts of stuff. Indeed. So Ian... Do we see Ian and Susan's reactions? Uh, no, they don't get reaction shots. Unfortunately, just Barbara and the doctor. But after, after Cal is killed, then Ian gives Zah a branch with fire on it and sends Zah out of the cave to show the other cave people. I like how you say a branch with fire on it, <laughs> not a branch that is on fire. <laughs> I mean, I figure we're, we're playing with language technologies here. Let's try a few different phrases out. If anyone listening to this is like, man, why are they continuing this technology joke? Like, yes, we know it's probably not the most hilarious thing, but we've embraced that. Indeed. We've embraced what a terrible joke this is, and we will continue it at least till the end of this episode. Probably. Probably through the rest of this serial. Probably for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> and our lives. Yeah, probably. So Ian gives Zah this branch with fire on it. And Zah makes our heroes stay back in the cave. Ian wants to leave the cave with Zah. Yeah. Since, you know, Ian is the actual fire maker. Yes. But... And also a communist, he wants to make sure that is the fire of the people. Right. Socialist, I'm not sure what politics, technology level we're at <laughs> right here. But the doctor kind of tells Ian, you know, let's give Zah a chance to go out and, like, establish himself as the leader with his new branch with fire on it. Okay. And then once, like, once he's established as leader, then he'll let us go. Even though he can't actually make fire. Right. He's a fraud. But they don't know that. The cave people don't know that. I imagine they'll find out eventually. <laughs> Probably sooner rather than later if he's just waving around the branch with fire on it and claiming he made it until it goes poof and it's out. And now suddenly Zah is in trouble. So Zah, he leaves the cave and he steps out to the other cave people outside and he says, Cal is dead. I give you fire. I am leader. All technically true. He is giving them fire. He never claimed that he made the fire. It's true. He has mastered evasive language technology. That's important for politics. Yes, he, he is a good leader. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Kyle. Here on the Doctor's Watcher, we don't have any sponsors, at least not yet, and we haven't even set up a Patreon or anything, but we appreciate you listening. Maybe we'll get around to setting up a Patreon or whatever later, or maybe we'll try to sell you some mattresses or meal prep kits or whatnot. But in the meantime, Benny and I both have Venmos, if you really want to send us some money, let's start with you sending an email to thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and we'll work something out. Thanks for listening. We also learn at this point that cooking is another new technology. In fact, it's so new that they don't even have a name for it yet. You just put fire on food. Basically, the actual dialogue is that Horg says, There is no meat! And Zah says, I will go into the forest and get meat! 
And Horg says, Yes, I remember how the meat and fire joined together. It's delicious. <laughs> so back in the cave, Ian realizes, oh shit, it didn't work. Za is actually going to keep us here, even mm-hmm. though we gave him fire. Clearly, the cave people don't understand the concept of, or the technology of friendliness, <laughs> which is why they thought it was Ian's name, Friend. For a second, I was so worried that you would miss an opportunity to make one of these technology jokes. <laughs> Ian says, we helped you, we gave you fire. And Za says, yes, we have fire now. And Ian dejectedly says to himself, and I was the fool who gave it to you. Mm-hmm. Of course, Barbara points out to Ian that they'd be dead if they hadn't given them fire. So at least they're still alive. Also, presumably, Zah needs to keep them alive because he doesn't actually know how to make fire. Presumably, yeah. At some point, his branch with fire on it is going to go out. It will no longer have fire on it. The fire will go away. So they spend some time just hanging out in the Cave of Skulls. At one point, they are brought some food and water. The water is in basically a stone with a hole in it that they've just kind of like filled the hole with some water. I guess they don't have cups yet, apparently. Yeah, I remember when her was so amazed by the like absorbent cloth technology. Right. But there was an, an interesting moment where Jacqueline Hill, who plays Barbara, kind of stumbled over her line a little bit. She said, The doctor found a, hole, a stone with a hole in it and they filled it with water. And the only reason I, I mentioned that is because I thought it was interesting that apparently the production was presumably so limited on either time or money or probably both mm-hmm. that they didn't do like another take of that scene or that line. Like, mm-hmm the line where she kind of stumbles over her line and flubs it a little bit. Yeah, They just went with that. It's interesting because, like, I guess these days with our digital technology, you can have as many takes as you want. Right. But back then when it was all on physical film, you really only had so much film that you could film on to. Right. They have, like, an actual limited supply, and it's expensive, and that limited supply of film is what has led to so many of the early episodes being lost because in as the BBC was kind of going through their archives and preparing to make new episodes of Doctor Who in the 60s, they only had so much tape, and so they actually, like, recorded over oh, a lot of old episodes. Ah, <laughs> whoops. It's not like anyone's going to want to watch these twice. Right? And, you know, like, of course, the the fan base over the decades, mm-hmm. have have managed to recover the audio, at least, of all of the lost episodes. I guess a lot of people set their tape cassette recorder up next to their TV when Doctor Who is on, so they could actually record the audio and listen to it later, back in the pre-VHS days. Wow. So that's how we have the audio of most of the, most if not all of the missing episodes. Wow. Then there have been, you know, a handful that have been recovered at one point or another. You know, maybe, like, the BBC shipped a print of an episode to, like, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And then that print, after getting aired, you know, sat in a back storage room for 20 years or whatever. Oh, wow. Until 
somebody discovers it one day and is like, oh shit, this is an important tape. This is Doctor Who on it. So yeah, that's a, I guess, a little bit of a diversion to talk about the the limited budget, and we will certainly get to some missing episodes in the future of this podcast, and we'll have to decide how we want to handle those when we get to them. Yeah. Zah doesn't want to let our heroes leave. He wants to join the two tribes together. He's you know thinking of them as one tribe. He and his people are another tribe. He wants to join the tribes, probably because our hero tribe knows how to make fire, and he doesn't. But, of course, our heroes are not really into this idea. Mm-hmm. They don't want to stick around in the one with the cavemen much no. longer than they need to. So... They don't want to just be a cave person tribe. So Zal leaves so they can kind of think about this. And the doctor suggests that they quench the fire and take it away from them. No one else really responds to this suggestion at all. They all just kind of like sit there and keep thinking. But then Susan gets up and basically just grabs a torch out of the fire, Mm -hmm. grabs herself a branch with fire on it, and starts kind of wandering around the cave until she wanders over to one of the old skulls in the Cave of Skulls. And she grabs the skull and she places it on her torch. So, like, the fire from the torch is coming out of the skull's eye sockets and whatnot. Oh, spooky. And she says, Grandfather, look! It's almost alive! This gives Ian a brilliant idea, and he says, Not alive, Susan. Almost dead. We're going to make four torches. We'll find the sticks, and we'll use the fat from the meat. And then... And then, to all intents and purposes, we're going to die. (sighs) So, they carry this plan out. They gather up four torches and stick skulls on each of them. (laughs) And they take these four torches with skulls on them and, like, plant them into the ground. And then they hide in the cave. And... They hide, and they're lying in wait when Her enters the cave to bring our heroes some more food. But as soon as she enters the cave, and she sees this row of four torches with skulls on them set into the ground, she just immediately starts screaming and moaning, and she drops whatever she's carrying, and she collapses to her knees, and just screams and moans, and... That's maybe a little too scary, guys. (laughs) Some other tribes people come in into the cave behind her. Okay. And they also just immediately, like, drop to their knees and start moaning and screaming and crying. And while all this is happening, our heroes sneak out through the back entrance to the cave. I thought they were going to try to do this thing where they're going to throw their voices and be like... In life, you kept us locked in this cave. (laughs) In death, you must allow our spirits to be free or something. But I guess, you know, just going out the back works Uh too. Three of us will come visit you during the night. Yes. Teach you the errors of your ways. We will keep our words small because you have not mastered 
um, vocabulary technology. <laughs> so back in the cave, all this moaning and wailing just goes on for a while until eventually one of the four torches just tips over. <laughs> and when it tips over, Zaw's like, oh shit, look. It is nothing but fire and the bones of the dead. I mean, I don't know how they, like, didn't get that a second ago until right. one of the torches tipped over. Maybe because it was standing up and they were like, something must be holding it. Oh, no, no, it really is just stuck in the ground. <laughs> but, you know, they he does realize, oh, shit, our bad. Mm-hmm. Guess they weren't flaming corpses. I don't know what they thought they would have been. Some sort of ghost? But, you know... Our prisoners are totally gone now. Guess we better go chasing after them. And her says, yeah, they've gone into the night where the dark will hide them. But Zaw has a brilliant idea, and he says, With fire! It is day! Ah! Yes. And we also still have three working torches that they left <laughs> us. So the cave's people go chasing after our heroes. Our heroes do keep tripping and stumbling and stuff, but they've got a good head start. We, the viewers, get lots of extreme close-ups of our four main actors' faces as they jog in place in a very dark room, and people just off camera smack them in the faces with branches and leaves. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're going to have to uh, watch that after this recording. It's very dramatic. looks exactly like running through a forest at night. <laughs> Meanwhile, the tribe's people run past the camera in the darkened room rather than jogging in place, which gives us the impression that they're gaining on our heroes. I really want to watch this part. I'm sorry, those of you at home who can't actually, like, watch this scene. You could subscribe on BritBox. BritBox, <laughs> if you want to sponsor our podcast, that'd be cool. You don't even have to pay as much. <laughs> we're, clearly, we're already endorsing you for nothing, so... Uh, just, you know, give me a free subscription, I'll be happy. The bar is low, and the ball is in your court. So our heroes do manage to get back to the TARDIS, and they rush in through the door into the main TARDIS control room, and the doctor rushes up to the console and starts, you know, pushing buttons and flipping switches and whatnot, and the TARDIS gets going. We hear it make its famous wheezing sound. And it's still the same famous wheezing sound it that we get today. basically is, yeah, actually. That's so they, cool. Yeah, I actually really, really dig neat. that, like, you know, continuity stuff when some of it's still the same. Outside the TARDIS, the cave people arrive, and they arrive just in time to throw their spears at the TARDIS. Oh, no! But the TARDIS vanishes, and their spears fly right through where it would have been. Whoa, special hit the effect. Dirt. How awesome is the special effect? <laughs> we'll have to go back and check. I don't remember it that well. Is it even the same shot that, like, the TARDIS disappears and then the spears go by? Or is it just, like, the TARDIS disappears, new shot, spears just go flying through air and, like, clatter on the ground? I feel like they might have actually done a little bit of something. Whoa. We'll have to look into that. Special effect. We do get a much shorter time travel sequence this time <laughs> than we did in the, the, like after the, the first time. Ten minute one from last time. Right. And this time it doesn't seem to knock Barbara and Ian out. They remain conscious the whole time. And they've got their sea legs now, their their time legs. Right. 
But we do get a little moment of, you know, wondering if the TARDIS actually belonged in the junkyard. Mm. When Ian and Barbara start asking the Doctor if he's taking them back to their own time, but he tells them that he can't. It's not operating properly. Mm. He says, You see, this isn't operating properly, or rather the code is still a secret. Feed it with the right data, precise information to a second at the beginning of a journey, and then we can fix a destination. But I had no data at my disposal. And Barbara says, Saying that you don't know how to work this thing? <laughs> and the doctor says, oh, I can't. I'm not a medical worker. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and also interesting that they, like, give us this little, like, talk of data and codes and stuff. And right. How, how it all works, like... You have to program it almost. Anthony Coburn's kind of toying with the techno babble a little bit. Yes. But Ian, at this point, he's like, wait, were you even trying to take us back to our time? <laughs> yeah, valid question. <laughs> and the doctor's like, well, I got you away from that other time. And Ian's like, that's not what I asked. Nope. <laughs> and the doctor says, well, it's the only way I can answer you, young man. <laughs> A.K.A. I'm not going to answer your question. Yep. So the TARDIS lands, finishes its space-time journey, and we look up at the monitor, which we have previously established shows us outside of the TARDIS. Uh-huh. We look up at the monitor, and we see some weird-looking, like... Trees, I guess. Not entirely clear. And the doctor says, It could be anywhere. Dear, 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 dear. It's, it's no help to us at all. And they decide that they should probably go out and explore the area. Mm-hmm. And as they're getting ready to go, the doctor asks Susan to take a look at the radiation meter. Oh, yes. Just, just, uh... Last, you know, they just happened to think of it almost as they were on their way out the door. Right. So so she glances over at the meter, and she, and, you know, our camera also looks at the meter, and we see, and Susan announces that it's reading normal, but then as they walk away, the camera closes in on the radiation meter, which suddenly spikes into the danger zone. Whoa. And with that, the words... Next episode, the dead planet appear on screen, and music plays. Oh, man. Okay, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and that's the end of the fire maker. And it's also the end of The One with the Cave People. Yes. We are done with this serial. A.K.A. 10,000 B.C. in quotes. Right. A.K.A. falsely an unearthly child. Yes. Incorrectly. Cool. So, Kyle, would you, uh, having seen this, would you recommend watching The One with the Cave People, A.K.A. 10,000 B.C. to fans of Doctor Who? Uh... That's kind of a tough question. This is our first serial. Yeah. So the part of me that 
that thinks that people should know how things started and uh-huh. you should know backstories and you should learn about history. <laughs> yes, this is how you should learn about history. <laughs> that part of me says, yeah, sure, you should probably watch the first Doctor Who serial. Uh-huh. But the part of me that is concerned about watching TV that is good and entertaining, <laughs> that part of me is not quite so sure. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not having seen it, um, not having seen it, the part with the cave people, you did show me the first episode ever, um, the Unearthly Child at one point years ago. Um, it seems like a lot of the dialogue is just kind of like almost non sequiturs. It like, really is, yeah. There was that one part where somebody says, like, they've gone to the forest. No, they've gone to the cave, and it's just like, where are you even getting this stuff? You're just, like, saying random things. Mm -hmm. And then people have these, like, conversations or arguments where they're all just kind of saying things at each other, but it doesn't always necessarily seem to be in response to what the other person said or even, like, developing uh, a concept or a, a kind of direction of the conversation where it's all going. Yeah, so much of it doesn't even feel like dialogue. It's just multiple characters making statements. Yeah. And, you know, taking turns making statements. Yeah, it's so and weird. And sometimes they kind of have to do with the previous one, but, <laughs> but you know, other times it's just, you know, who's going to make fire? And, you know, I'm the leader now. Yes. And, you know, none of it actually seems to be of consequence. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing of like, okay, are we going to try to share fire with everyone? Are we going to ha- try to make this civilization, this society better in some way, improve it, help them, you know, with our uh, future ways, having already learned lessons? Maybe let's teach them about democracy, which is, you know, we're all about because it's the 1960s. Right. Um, but no, and then they're just like, all right. Peace out, we're done, let's just go back to our TARDIS and yeah. get out of here. I mean, Ian has, like, his whole moments of, like, teaching Zaw about teamwork. Yeah, which I really respect and, like, Friendship. Yeah, teaching about friendship and, like, trying to advance socialist causes. Yes. Everyone should have fire. But, yeah, then, like, in the end, they never actually taught Zaw how to make fire. No, all that effort. They just left and, like... You know, Zaw and his fellow cave people have, like, their their torches that they've been carrying through the forest, but those are going to go out. Yeah, like, I, mean, I guess they could do, like, this fire that never goes out thing where they just keep a little, I don't know, sconce in their cave somewhere and occasionally yeah. stoke it if they know how to do that. Yeah, that could work, but I think I think Zaw's going to be pretty uns- insecure for... Yeah. The rest of his leadership. Yeah. Sorry, Zaw. Yeah, it's just, I mean, also, I was thinking about it, how, like, you know, in Star Trek you have the prime directive where you're not supposed to interfere with pre-warp civilizations. Right. And here, they definitely had that opportunity to, like, teach these folks, A, about building fire, B, about socialism, maybe about friendship and teamwork and introducing other concepts to them and they didn't really think twice about it Mm -hmm. yeah it's just kind of a 
weird place to start things off. Yeah. Did we already talk on the pod about how they intended to alternate historical serials with sci-fi serials? Yes, having edited or the first pass of the editing <laughs> of the third episode, I can confirm that that's one of the things that we talked about. Very good. And so then I'm sure we also talked about how dumb it is that they started with the historical <laughs> instead of the sci-fi. Yep, that's one of the conversations we had last time. <laughs> I don't know if we'll cut this whole part out. We love you listeners, every one of you. Indeed. We hope you're having a good day. <laughs> but we, we have now finished our first historical serial. I promise you all that with a title like The Dead Planet, our next serial is going to be a sci-fi. How could that be bad? It sounds so <laughs> awesome. I mean, okay, then The Cave of Skulls, um, The Forest of Fear, maybe those didn't like fully deliver on the awesomeness of the titles or cheesiness or both. But come on, The Dead Planet... That's that's the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. All right, Kyle, well, thank you for watching Doctor Who and telling me about it. Indeed. And we'll have to see what comes next. Sounds good. And now show me the scene where they're being smacked in the face with branches while running in place in the dark room. <laughs> I, I will. All right, let's end it there then. Cool. Tune in next time, listeners. Hey, Kyle here. I want to say thanks to Circa23 for the awesome theme song hero for us. You can check out his other music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23, and you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can follow us on Twitter at DrWatcher, and you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. If you liked the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. If your rating is not five stars, save yourself the time and don't even bother. Join us again in two weeks on The Doctor's Watcher. Watcher.